0: Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have my fabulous co-host, Nat
1: Natalie Jablonski, the nonprofit ninja. It's so fabulous that my name is difficult to pronounce, but Marjorie always takes care part. of me. That's the Natalie <laughs> part. And you know, of course, I'm specializing in helping nonprofits and the maximizing their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Marjorie. I have to tell you something. Okay. I, I have a confession. Okay. I have a superpower skill.
0: Oh, is it, is it teleportation? Uh,
1: no. Is it,
0: um, is it invisibility? Uh No. Okay. It's got to be better than that, though. It is.
1: Are you ready? I'm ready. Shopping. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm really, really good at it. In fact, I'm so <laughs> skilled that my husband actually is depressed on how good I am at it, and uh, he would like yeah. me to to take it easy. But you probably save so much money. Uh, well, yes. That's how I tell him I do. <laughs> of course. That's the story you tell them when you get home, right? You know, and to be honest, I probably don't even think about it so much when a cashier takes my credit card to process it because mm-hmm. I'm so skilled at it. It just becomes second nature. <laughs> right. <laughs> But there are lots of options in credit card processing. And as nonprofit organizations, we are always being fiscally responsible. So we need to keep in mind options that we have in order to be- get the best credit card processing options for our organization. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I need to have somebody who knows more about this than I do because I may know about shopping, but I don't know about credit card processing. No, it's a it's a big mystery land. It for is. Me. But you know what? I know someone who's a wizard at it. Nice. She's my awesome friend, Lisa York. So I brought her here with me today. Lisa is with B. Be- Beacon Payments. And today we're going to discuss how you can find the best credit card processing that works for your nonprofit. But before we begin, because she's so awesome, I want to brag about her and I'm going to let her brag a little about herself. So Lisa, (laughs) tell us about your background and tell us how you got started with Beacon Payments.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. it's going to be fun. I can already tell. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) And um, so I... Used to be with actually WIL radio. I sold radio ah, advertising. Yeah. And then I had my third baby and I decided I wanted to get out of the corporate world and raise my children. Aww. Yeah. So I left and I stayed. I was a stay home mom for 17 years and Good it was you. really awesome. And I loved it. And I sold premier designs jewelry to bring in a little bit of income and get out of the house occasionally, as you can imagine.
1: <laughs> yes. That that. And you look fabulous with all your bling today. Well, thank you very
2: much. <laughs> and then the kids grew up. So when I started, they, they do were, that, don't they? they? do it. You blink. So weird. It's weird. <laughs> That's right. So they, when I started, they were six, four, and two months old, and today they're twenty-four, 24, 22 and eighteen. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's crazy. This is where you, you say had kids really? when you're twelve, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so about three years ago, my brother owns a company called Beacon Payments, and he said you should come to work for me because the kids are gone. And I said, well, I'm a bit unemployable. I've been my own boss for 17 years. And he said, no, you can do your own thing, make your own hours, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, well, I'll try it, but I don't know if I'm going to like it because I've been out of corporate for a long time. And a funny thing happened. Back when I sold radio advertising, I worked with small businesses, local businesses, family owned businesses, which I was very passionate about helping them. And I loved it. And so I forgot how much I liked that. So when Mm -hmm. I got back into Beacon Payments, I realized wow, I'm back in what I'm passionate about. My passion is working with people who have to take, who, you know, they have a business and they have overhead in some way, shape, or form. They want to be successful. And if I can take a little piece of that, which is a necessary evil, which is credit card processing, Mm -hmm. if I can lower their fees, I can take some of the headaches out of it, then I've partnered with them to make their business better. And that's what I'm passionate about. So it really has nothing to do with the
1: actual credit card processing thing. Cause you know,
2: That part's kind of boring, really. <laughs>
1: well, we're going to make it much more exciting today for our listeners, because I know when you and I talk about it, I'm never bored. And I have learned so much from being around you. And so Marjorie's excited that you're here as well to oh, learn a couple of things. And I know that you had a list of about 400 questions, Marjorie. Yeah. So I know we tried to narrow <laughs> that down. we didn't have time for that. That's right. So Whatever. where do you want to start today? I
0: think, okay, so if I'm going to Google credit card processing, I'm going to get a hundred different things coming at me you know, including things like beacon payment systems, so small yeah. businesses. And then I'm going to get probably some of the bigger ones and then I'm going to get some banks. How, how do I know what's reputable and what's I what I should just absolutely stay away from?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And there's some, well, first of all, I would look at the Better Business Bureau okay. and see how they look. I would check on their website, see if there's any um, reviews. And then there's a really good way to check. There's a website called cardpaymentoptions.com. And if you go to cardpaymentoptions.com, you can put in the name of any company that you might be thinking about processing with, and it will give you a grade. It'll give you an overall grade, ABCD. C, D. I haven't seen an F. That's good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They get out of the business when they get a D. True.
2: (laughs) And it'll also break it out into categories, customer service, fees, Reputability, you know, different categories in each of those categories gets a grade, but it's very easy to just look at the overall grade. And that's how you can know, okay, are they a good company or not? And I also would not be afraid to ask that merchant processor for some references. Who else do you do business with? I'd like to talk to them and call those people and say, are you happy? Do you, do you feel like you're being treated fairly? Do you get your questions answered and, and kind of go from there? Um, I also want to mention that. You know, Sometimes people say to me, should I even take credit cards? You
1: yeah, know, Let's oh. step back
2: for just a second. Yeah, in a yeah. nonprofit it's, world, right. I know that's
1: debatable depending mm-hmm. on the size of your nonprofit and your structure and what your budget looks like. I know that's a big debate. Because exactly. that can and be yeah. a huge, huge expense line. If right, you, exactly.
2: Yeah. So is it even worth it? So do either of you have money in your wallet right now, cash? No,
1: no I shop too no. much.
0: <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of quarters, I believe. Yeah, I, think, <laughs>
2: I might have a penny. I mean, we live in a society that's pretty cashless. Yeah. We don't really have... Cash and then, quite frankly, I don't have my checkbook with me either. Mm-hmm. I don't even use my checkbook for most of my bills anymore because what do we do?
0: Right, online Same bill number. pay, right? Of course. Yeah. Right. I don't even have checks anymore. Like I just got away from it. And I just want to say pain, that I did not but... pay you to say that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, even if you're not for profit, a retail store, whoever you are, you're probably going to have to take a credit card. And if you, because we live by plastic, you are really people will spend more. If they are able to use a credit card, I would agree with that's the first thing we all are more willing. Oh, I'll just throw it on the card. It's easy. And then the other thing that um, could really be useful for a nonprofit is if you take a credit card, if you're with the right processor, you'll have the ability to set up monthly recurring payments. So someone could say, well, yeah, I'd like to do $100 a month. And you don't want it, the hassle of trying to remember to put that payment in every month.
0: Yeah. And you can set <laughs> it
2: up as an automatic debit on the credit
0: card. That is That does make a huge difference. Um, for years and years and years, we had to do, remember to do it at the beginning of every month and run mm-hmm. everybody's credit cards. And then I felt like I was storing this information. I didn't like it. Right. And man, the the moment that we were able to do that. And just put it into the credit card processor's hand and let them handle that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we save so much time, and and I didn't forget to take take money from people, which it's is really is embarrassing nice. when you have to call a donor and say oh, we <laughs> for got to take your money last month. Not yeah. that we don't
1: want it. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and Lisa, you make a great point about if you can charge you're likely to spend more. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you case in point because I'm an expert shopper. <laughs> I also happen to be a wonderful supporter of my co-host here. And she mm-hmm. had uh, a gala recently, which was fabulous, by the way. It's, and I was glad you were there. I was with glad your credit card. be there with that credit card. I know. <laughs> that's the time I get to invite to a lot. I think I'm trying to figure out why. Uh, but I wanted to really participate in one particular piece. And I realized as soon as we got there, I don't I don't know if you've ever done this with your significant other, but you turn to one and you go, you brought cash, right? And you both go, no, uh, I thought you brought cash. I thought you were going by the ATM. And we got there and we were paper poor. We were very short on cash that night. And I knew that we could use a credit card for one item. And so I finally asked him, like, am I able to do this with a credit card? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll put it on your account. And I instantly, uh, uh unfortunately, my husband wasn't thrilled, but I was instantly excited <laughs> about being able to buy a raffle ticket here and do this and do that and they were able to put that all in one account and so i was spent more that night than uh, my husband probably was thrilled about only not that he's in love you yeah, but <laughs> yeah, uh, because he pays the bills uh, but it was uh, a Great case in point where I spent more than we probably would have been able to do to because we didn't have it. And you got a really good deal on all that wine you took home. I did. In <laughs> fact, uh, we are still enjoying that particular <laughs> wine. So thank you for having that on your auction item. And it's for a great cause. Absolutely. And if you I could always find for a great cause, so, I am so right. down, right? Right. So, you know, one of the things that you said, Marjorie, is they're all they're coming to you and they have different reputations. And I kind of, I worry about nonprofits. Um, we don't have a lot of purchasing power. Like some mm-hmm. of the big dogs do. And so I think we're kind of feel powerless. Oh, and yeah. Is, is, do, you,
0: do you feel that way? Yeah. I, I know one of the questions when I was going through this process was, well, how much do you guys charge a month? And I'm like, well, most months it's like maybe $300. And then there's like one month where it's like 10000 <laughs> Just There's the one for the gallon. And then and then the rest, it's very small. And I, I got some people giving me just some looks like, why are you even talking to me? Right. And yeah. So nonprofits, I mean, we don't don't do a lot of this all the time.
2: Well, and that's where I think you have to find someone that you trust mm-hmm. and that you feel like they're giving you honest answers about what you really, truly need. Yeah. And they're not trying to just make a dollar off
1: you. Well, and I <laughs> think some people don't know where to go. You know, mm-hmm. when you're an executive leadership of a nonprofit, whether you have two employees or 200 employees, You tend to grow as the the know-it-all of everything, and Mm -hmm. you have to know a little bit about HR and a little bit about Mm -hmm. operations, a little bit about finance, and no matter where your background was, whether it was social work or uh, whether it was business. And uh, I know myself, finance, accounting, that's not my background. So as I started to become more of a leader in nonprofit, I realized that was an area that I had to work on. And so we tend to, I think, by human nature, shy away what we don't know Mm -hmm. as much And we just take whatever options are given because we don't know the right questions to feel empowered to ask back. So, like, I think most nonprofits would probably go for, well, finance equals banking. So I'll go to my bank and ask my bank about credit card processing. What are your thoughts on that, Lisa? Is that something that we should be or what should we be going there? What questions should we be asking intelligently about our banks? Or should we be looking beyond just the banking industry?
2: Well, and if it makes you feel better, you're not alone there are many many retailers who think oh my bank just gave me a loan I do business with my bank I guess I should get my credit card processing from my bank
1: and that sounds like logic for a lot of our nonprofits mm-hmm. as well right
2: and i think it's just what people you know people don't know so it sounds logical that's what they do so here's the deal with the bank the bank is going to use is going to process credit cards through a third party called an independent sales organization so if you go to your bank you think you're doing business with your bank but you're really not they're playing the middleman and so whether it's beacon payments or there are other choices as well, you want to go directly to that independent sales organization and cut out the middleman
1: because that's how you're going to get better rates. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense to me then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when we're getting all these pricing structures kind of thrown together at us, how do we know which one's going to be most cost effective for us in the long run? Because I know some cards charge this, some cards charge that, and then there's these
1: fees and that fees. I don't even know what questions that I would be (laughs) asking.
0: So here's,
2: Credit card one oh one. We're ready. And if I start if I go too long, <laughs> cut me right off.
1: You
0: got twenty more minutes. Okay, I won't that <laughs> long. okay.
2: So the problem with credit cards in this industry is there are actually four hundred and thirty different kinds of cards out there. Don't Believe how many? Don't you don't need one of each, Natalie? Oh, Just man. saying. Okay. <laughs> there's four hundred and thirty. So there's four hundred and thirty cards available to us as shoppers, and each one has its own rate attached to it by the issuing bank. That's the problem with the credit card business.
1: Wow. So on the flip side behind the scenes, whoever is processing our credit cards has to know all those different fluctuations and changes. And you have to understand on the nonprofit side, which ones are being fed into you for you to be able to figure all that out. In an I'm ide- already confused. Yeah.
2: So in an ideal world, maybe, but there's two pricing structures oh, okay. with those 430 cards. One is called tiered pricing and in tiered pricing, the in the independent sales organization takes all the credit cards and they put them into like four four categories and they say if it kind of looks like a debit card or something like a debit card, it'll go in this category and here's the rate we'll charge. Let's pretend it's 1.49%. And then if it's a regular credit card, we'll put it in this category and maybe it'll be 1.6%. And the most expensive card there is, is a reward card Mm. because someone has to pay for those rewards. And unfortunately it's the merchant. Mm. It's you guys, which if I could change that, I would, but I can't. (laughs) So... Those are the most expensive ones. So if you go with a company that has tiered pricing, you're those, all those cards are just going in the categories and being lumped into probably four or five lumps. Okay. So you, one of the questions to ask is, are you on tiered pricing? And if they say yes, you do not want to go with them. Okay. What you want is the other pricing structure, which is called interchange plus. So that's kind of the, the lingo interchange, interchange plus, plus pricing. And what that means is when you work with the ISO, they, at whatever that rate that's attached to that card, they're going to pass that price through to you with some amount of profit. Mm-hmm. And that's another question. How much profit are you taking? Is it 1%? Is it a half percent, a quarter percent? What's your profit margin? And we all know everybody's in business to make money. So I don't think it's a problem that there is a profit. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how much is, is, is lumped on there. So you want your interchange plus pricing. So to put it in mathematical terms to, that'll make it easy. For example, a debit card, the, the rate attached to every debit card in the country by law, it's called the Durban Amendment, is 0.05% with a 22 cent transaction fee. So if you don't have interchange plus pricing, you might be paying 1.49% on that debit card. But when you go with someone who has interchange plus pricing, you're going to pay 0.05% Plus whatever their markup is, and so that's going to be the cheapest pricing you can get. And if you're with a good company, it's not going to be based on how much you're processing. They're just going to offer you that interchange plus pricing, whether you're mm-hmm. running twenty dollars for the month or twenty thousand.
1: Wow. So does so it how, matter? So does it matter how much you're actually processing through? Like for a nonprofit, like Marjorie said, mm-hmm. where hey, you know, we do a couple hundred dollars a month, but then there's these couple peak times a year where we're going to you know, hopefully hitting that Mm -hmm. 10,000 plus mark area. And does that matter? As long long as you're on interchange plus pricing,
2: you're going to be fine. Okay. Yep. But that is also a question to ask the company. Are you going to charge me extra in a month that I'm not running a lot? Oh, like Mm -hmm. a minimum? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So
1: that is a possibility. There could be a possibility.
2: And and most companies have that. Is there a maximum sometimes set as well? Some companies have it you should be able to get around it. Okay. You should not, you should, you want to go with a company that doesn't have a maximum because it exists.
1: Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot to try to figure out. Like I'm just thinking from, so I guess here's, here's my other complex question. Cause this is all behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect my uh, finance administrator who's actually processing the cards. It doesn't. She, she doesn't have to do anything different, no, any special. No, because
2: you have no way of knowing when someone hands you a card, unless it says Southwest Airlines on it, you have no way of knowing what kind of card it is. Oh. So you want to make sure that interchange plus pricing will automatically charge that whatever rate is attached to it. You don't have to worry about it, nor do you want to. Right. Well, Nor do I want to. Quick no, phrase, exactly. It's all set up on, on the back end by the processor.
1: So, the whole way that the user interacts, whether it's online or with a desktop swiper yep. or I remember the old fashioned kind where you put it yes. in <laughs> yes don't
2: use those today you'll be in trouble <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh,
1: so that part isn't dictated. the front end I guess isn't di- dictated by what's happening on the back end, correct, so are those just extra features you should be asking for if you want access to them?
2: yeah, you want what you want to find it you need to find you need to know how you're going to process. are you going to process online? Through internet shopping, and then you need to know: Are you do you have a shopping cart? You know how are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And then you need to know: Do you need a mobile swiper? Like maybe for mm-hmm. your gala, yeah. you want the or the auction, you want a mobile swiper. Mm-hmm. So you need to ask: Do you have the capability of the mobile swiper? can you set us up to be online giving? Um, if you had a if you were a nonprofit that had a store mm-hmm. where people could come and buy things, you'd probably want a standalone terminal. So you just need to ask: You know what? How how can we process with you? What are the
1: options? So my latest uh, debacle in the shopping world is this <laughs> stupid little square thing that's on there that's supposed to give us heightened security, which are already it's being debunked, I guess, oh, by the some chip. But- Do you mean yeah. the chip? <laughs> yes. yes. It's driving me nuts. So help me understand. It, some people are like, no, we haven't added the chip yet. Other people are like, well, we had to add the chip. So now we have yeah. the chip. I've, does anyone else feel like an idiot when they're at the grocery store? Cause they're not sure if they should hand them the card, right. swipe the card and put the card in the little. Oh, yeah. Like I just, I, I remember the time where it was so easy and it feels so complicated. And I don't want our donors to feel like that. Right. So tell, can you tell us more about yeah. the chip thing and what's going on with that?
2: So if you're processing cards online, of course you don't have to worry about the chip okay. cause you don't have the card present. If you have the card present, whether it's through the mobile swiper or a terminal or if you're at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So here's the deal. Uh, last October, the the reason the chip came into being is because the banks decided they were going to have a liability shift. So in the the old cards with the magnetic stripe that don't have a chip, the problem with them is all of your personal information is embedded in that magnetic stripe. So oh. a hacker can pull the information off that magnetic stripe and use your information somewhere else. With the chip, when you insert the chip into that terminal... Every time you do that, it creates a four-digit PIN number specific to that transaction. That's why it takes so long. It has to send a message to the bank. The bank has to generate the four-digit PIN. It has to send it back, and then the transaction can go through. But it's more secure against hackers, at least for now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did I say that out
2: loud? (laughs) Because they... Every time there's a transaction, it's a four-digit PIN, and they can't use that four-digit PIN at the next transaction. Uh, Does that make sense? Yes. So the companies that do not have chip enabled, which quite frankly amazes me, like every one of my merchants has the chip.
1: I don't think that big box stores don't have it. That don't have them. So of course, the small nonprofits were like, "Well, why do we need to have them?" Right? Best Uh, Buy doesn't have
0: it.
2: (laughs) But it's even more important for a smaller business because it all has to do with the liability. So if a if a business takes a fraudulent card and they use the chip, the bank will pay them back for that fraudulent occurrence. Matter of fact, I'll give you a great example, and I'm so sad about this. I have a client who. Um, they took a card and they, it didn't have the chip and they ended up just entering it manually. Mm-hmm. And it was fraudulent. And they were out $2,600. Oh And my goodness. There was nothing I could do. There's nothing anybody could do because they didn't use the chip. And the card had the chip. It's a long story. I don't know how it really happened, but anyway. But that's the result. That's the result. So back in twenty
1: six hundred dollars in nonprofit world. Yes, that's huge. That's (laughs) like yeah, huge, huge.
2: So if you're actually if the card is present, you want to make sure you use the chip because if it's fraudulent, back in the olden days, the bank always paid you. Mm -hmm. But now with the chip, because it's heightened security, if you don't use the chip, you are liable. If you do use the chip, the bank will pay you.
0: Are you seeing mobile swipers with the? Yes. coming out yes okay. and
2: they do exist and if you get a mobile swiper you want
0: to make sure it has a chip okay yeah, yeah. and those are good uh, like those when well, i was looking maybe six months ago it was really hard to find a mobile swiper with a chip and i don't
1: think i have one yet
0: i think we need to look into
1: that they so. are available now okay yeah cool it's like everybody's just slowly but surely coming in line with that so. yeah so as as nonprofits, lots of great questions that we should be asking because I have a feeling our audience is going to be enjoying this mm-hmm. more than even Marjorie and I, although mm-hmm. it, this has happened often, but you've seen us taking a lot of notes. We're learning mm-hmm. for ourselves. <laughs> I always learn whenever you and I start conversations, yeah. but I'm hoping that our audience is able to pick up some of this and learn about it uh, as far as questions they should be asking mm-hmm. their processor. And so is the best way to start just to go online and start Googling or should they talk to some of the local or is there local organizations to find places like yours that aren't like the big box
2: groups? Yeah, I think a lot of it's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Who are you using? Are you happy? You can certainly Google, but you're going to get a lot of choices yeah. and that's going to make it hard. Mm hmm to decide.
0: I hate it when I have more than three choices for anything. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So I do think cardpaymentoptions.com is a good website to go on and and search on there. Okay. That'll make it a little easier. But I think the main thing to ask really is the interchange plus pricing. And then you want to ask them, what is their, how much profit are they, is written in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people aren't going to know to ask that. Yeah. So no one's going to bring it up. But if you bring it up, you know, then you can decide if it's fair. Um, You want to ask if there's an annual fee attached to your account?
0: That's what I was going to ask about fees because mm-hmm. fees seem to be where credit cards really hit us hard before we switched.
2: Yeah. And and that is, you're always going to have to pay the percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just standard mm-hmm. in the industry. Um There should, in my opinion, you should not pay an annual fee. Some people are going to charge it. I don't, it's one of those fees that some will charge, some won't mm-hmm. ask. They're charging mm-hmm. an annual fee. You probably want to either negotiate it
1: mm-hmm.
2: or go somewhere else. Uh, you should ask if there's a setup fee. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, there shouldn't really be a setup fee. Now, you might, if you're doing online and you need a shopping cart, you might have to pay someone to set that up, right. but it's probably yeah. not going to be the processor. The processor. Mm-hmm. They usually will just do the processing part. And then you want to ask about monthly fees. A monthly fee is very standard in the industry, but it shouldn't be more than $10 a month. Okay. So you want to ask that. You want to ask about transaction fees. There is probably gonna be a transaction fee. It shouldn't be more than ten cents. Sometimes people try to charge nineteen or twenty-five cents. You don't want to go more than ten. And that's the problem. There's just so many little fees that if you don't know what to yeah, ask for, right, all of a sudden all your money's going to fees and you're like, Well, where's where's the charity getting any money here? Right. You right. know? And then um PCI is the payment card industry compliance. Mm-hmm. And so there's usually a fee so that you can become PCI compliant, and it's important to do that. But some companies will charge you, and you want to ask this: a PCI non-compliance fee. So some companies, if you're if you didn't take the little survey online, mm-hmm. they get notice and they say, "Oh, it, now we're going to charge you for non-compliance," and that could be twenty dollars a month. Wow! Oh, <laughs> and that adds up fast
0: for not filling out your paperwork. <laughs> exactly.
2: So you want to ask: Is there? There's going to be a PCI fee. But you want to ask if there's a PCI
1: non-compliance fee? Wow. Yeah. So from a budgeting standpoint, uh, because non are budgeters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it fair to, as you start going down this road, to be able to say, so I am paying, uh, let's say, ten thousand dollars in fees per year? All to get my credits, how much my credit card mm-hmm. processing is charging me altogether? Uh, so I'm going to go to them and say, so how much, based on what we've been bringing in? would it cost you? Is there a way to be able to flatten that out and to do some budgeting that way based on historical value? Is that something that you can work with that vendor on so you can kind of gauge whether or not it's gonna be a better deal than what you already have right. from a long-term standpoint?
2: So the easiest way to find out if you are getting the best deal is to have your the processor that you're talking to run a rate analysis of what you're currently doing and then you just give them a a copy of your current credit card statement, and they can run a rate analysis and tell you, they can actually answer a lot of these questions for you, all these fee <laughs> questions by looking at your statement. And then they'll be able to tell you, you know what, you're in pretty good shape, stay with what you have, or you're overpaying by X amount. Good. And then if you know how much you take in, in credit card processing in a year, you can say, okay, let's average it two and a half percent. That'll be the fees. And then you'll know how to budget for the fees. Wow.
0: That kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to have to have you come back and tell us how to read those statements one of these days. <laughs> yeah.
2: That could be a longer show, <laughs> actually.
1: Well, for a wrap up, I thought it might be fun because uh, we've uh, all been there and done that, whether it's on the vendor side of things. I'm sure you've seen some things, Lisa. And for Marjorie and I, we've mm-hmm. done some credit card processing in our days. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun, lesson learned. So maybe something that you did or your organization did that involved credit cards that it was like, aha, something like a best practice or maybe something that didn't go well that later turned into a a learning lesson Anything along those lines, Marjorie? Uh, anything you'd like to share with our audience that might be helpful? I have probably more of a funny little story. Love about, it
0: about volunteers and credit cards. Um, we have, like I mentioned, we have our annual gala this, the, every year, and our volunteers felt that our problem with checkout wasn't so much any of our processes, but that we didn't have enough credit card machines. And because we're in St. Louis, they were like, "You've got to go with Square and you know get that." And we looked at that, and their rates were were pretty high for what we were trying to do, and we could get a, a different one. So came to meeting time. They said, did we get square? And I said, no, but we've got this other thing and it's a semicircle, not a square. And they're, they were just like, no, no. But so we have a nice semicircle now, not a square. And it, it works very nicely for us. And everything was
1: successful. At the, yeah. And that
0: was I, I never process, the problem. I checked out very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think one of the biggest lessons that we learned is uh, through a golf tournament that uh, had been running the same way for a long time. And then it became evident, as Lisa had pointed out, that people only bring so much cash to those mm-hmm. events. And when you're golfing, uh, you don't have a lot of pockets to put things in and you're moving along. And so we started uh, for the first time last year, we did a register your credit card. So when you went to check in at the check-in station, then you could register your credit card. And then it was available to you at the fifty-fifty. It was available to you at the putting contest. It was available to you at the silent auction. It was available at the Mulligans, at the everything. And so all you had to do was give them your last name and your uh, T number. So team four A, for example. Nice. So we knew exactly then if there were two Smiths, for example, uh, there were the odds of being two Smiths on four A, and we used first name last name. Mm-hmm. We had it all put together. But it was great because then at the end. They didn't have to worry about, did I bring enough cash or not? It was all said and done. Um, and for this particular one, we used, um, uh, those little bracelets, like, you know, the bracelets you wear at the club mm-hmm. when you're over 21. When you're 21, you're sad. Yeah. You can't have one. We used <laughs> we used those and we gave them a, a unique identifying number. So mm-hmm. we even oh, nice. had the exact golfer number attached to it. And people love the fact that they could say, Oh, I want 50-50 tickets here. Here's my bracelet. That's <laughs> and a the phenomenal golfers, phenomenal idea. And the golfers that didn't want to wear it, they, we told them to put it through the belt loop. Because then it wouldn't interfere with them. Yeah. And they loved it. And uh, many of them said, we wish you wouldn't know we were doing this. We wouldn't have brought so much cash out. So I think this year it'll be fun to see how many people continue to do that and to grow from it. We've actually implemented that now in several of our events uh, moving forward because people just like the idea of registering once and being done with it. So that's a phenomenal idea. It's so much easier on the back end to reconcile
0: credit card, uh, you know, process or the credit card payments rather than like, I've got this big pile of cash here and I yeah. don't know who it's from. And right. Then I got a couple checks and it was great. The more credit cards, the easier it seems to be.
1: It absolutely is. Uh, any uh, fun tips or stories you can share without, uh, of course, leaving the guilty? We want to keep them. Names, yes, <laughs> name this. So
2: uh, I'm on a committee for an organization and they are, are going to need to take some payments. And they had, a, before they knew me, had an mm-hmm. account set up with somebody else. Which is probably changing. But anyway, <laughs> um, so the person in charge can't find the password, username. Oh. I know. And the thing is, I can't really help too much with that. I'm mm-hmm. going to sit down and do everything I can. But so my advice is do not lose username and passwords. Yes. It makes your life hard. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a local person who works with you in your processing and you have their cell phone and you can call them any time of day or night. That's the only thing they probably can't really help
1: you with. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's good. That's why you have those files. I like to call keepers. Exactly. <laughs> so that's my best advice. Well, I know you're a keeper, and I appreciate you coming on our show. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have access to you, but our listeners, I want to give them access to you as well. So I don't want to hide you from anybody anymore, uh, Lisa. How can they find you, get a hold of you, uh, reach you, link in with you? Sure, thank you.
2: So they can reach me at my email, which is l york at beaconpayments with an s. Dot com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You can look at our website at www.beaconpayments.com. And I also have a Facebook page that you can find under Beacon Payments of Metro East and St. Louis area.
1: Fantastic. Now, do you only serve the Metro East area or do you serve the entire country? Uh, no, it's the entire country. Excellent. So yeah. for those of us uh, who are listening and you are not in the metropolitan area, this is also an option for you as well. Lisa, thanks so much for thanks coming Thanks for on. having me. I had a great time. We love having you.
0: And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Minds Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so everybody else can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.